Welcome. My name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. I've got a great show for you today. Oh boy, oh boy. If you guys stick around until the end of this, you are going to have so much in your tool belt now. We're going over so much today. The question that started this was, well, what happens when rewards don't work? What happens when my dog is smart enough to know when I have a treat, when I don't have a treat? Right? My dog is a master of deception. They're not food motivated. How am I supposed to reward them if I if I can't give them food? They don't care. They're wicked smart. They're way too smart for their own good. They know when something's available and when it isn't. Right? We say the dogs are collar savvy or training savvy. Essentially, it's a layman's term for, well, my dog understands that there's a criteria involved to training. And if the criteria isn't there, then I don't need to perform. I don't need to listen. I don't need to respond when you tell me to come to you. I don't need to sit when you ask me to sit. I can do whatever I want because you don't have anything on me. You don't have a way to keep me accountable and you don't have a way to reward me. This happens constantly. It's a lot of what my job entails. Well, my dog listens inside, but they don't listen outside. My dog listens when no one's around, but the second there's a person involved, my dog loses their mind. If you are dealing with this, you need to stay tuned for the entire episode because I'm going over so much today on why this happens and how we can fix it. Okay, now there's only three reasons as to why rewards don't work. There's only three. So I want you to find out while you're listening to this, whether you're driving, whether you're doing something else, maybe you're sitting down taking notes. I want you to just think, which one do I fall into? There's only three. The first one is you do not have the preferred reward. This is one of the easiest ways to solve your problems. Now, the next two are a little more complicated, but if you can just rule this one out, at least you know that you didn't waste a lot of time. The amount of dogs that I've worked with and the owners that I've helped change their lives was as simple as, let's just find out what your dog likes. Like if you've never done that, you're wasting time in training. If you've never spent the time to figure out what your dog actually likes, then you are adding time to training as opposed to succeeding in training. You're just It's making it harder for you to get the same results as if you were to just have the treats that your dog preferred. Let me give you an example. My dogs usually use kibble for their reward. Every morning and night when we have breakfast and dinner, I train my dogs with kibble. However, I know that if we need to do something quickly, I need to teach a behavior very fast, and I want my dogs to be motivated to learn and engaged, I can use cheese. I could use hot dogs. And they are on it. Okay, they are light lit up. They're ready to go. Because of the fact that I have something that they actually prefer. Yes, they love their kibble. They eat their kibble every day, though. But if I have something, you know, higher up, In their hierarchy of rewards, I can get that much more motivation, that much more excitement, that much more involvement. And then as long as I don't mess up the next two, which we're going to talk about in a second, as long as I don't mess up the next two, my dog will not become dependent on that preferred reinforcement. What do I mean by that? I mean my dog won't be looking for the reward and going, oh, well, you don't have the cheese, I'm not going to listen. 
And I've had that happen too. One Husky comes to mind right now who every single session they had to change treats. They ended up getting a subscription box and they would just buy treats from the subscription box. They had to figure out what the dog liked, but the dog always changed it because it wanted to know what, what else you got. What else you got? Oh, you got you got uh, jerky, you got hot dogs, you got cheese, you got cheddar cheese, you got mozzarella cheese. This dog became picky because the owners kept changing it. They didn't set forth a goal of finding the preferred reinforcement and using it. Instead, they just kept guessing. And so the dog said, well, if I don't take the treat, maybe they'll pull something else out and they'll try to get me to do it. And then, of course, when they did pull something else out, the dog went, oh, cool. All I got to do is wait, and then you'll find something better to give me. I don't want that to happen with you and your dog. Because if that happens, now you're just getting into a competition of, well, who can wait longer? Can your dog wait longer to get something they really want? Or do you have to wait for your dog to then go, okay, this is all I'm getting. It's no good. Do a preference test first. Figure out what they prefer, what is their favorite treat, and then mark it and go, okay, cheese is the ultimate goal. Cheese is the ultimate goal. If I need to teach anything quickly, if I need to teach serious behaviors like recall or stay, I'm going to use cheese. I want to take a moment and thank all of our loyal followers. This podcast would not be possible without you. Leave a review and let us know what you like and want to learn on the next episode of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. Now, back to the show. But that's only the first reason that a reward might not work. You just don't have the right reward. But if you rule that out, now we can move on to the second and third reasons as to why your dog might not respond as effectively to reward-based training. The second reason is sloppy mechanics. Sloppy mechanics. This kind of goes back to what I was mentioning earlier about getting dependent on treats. If your dog knows that you have something to reward them with, and you only ever have something to reward them with when you're doing training, they will learn, oh, he's got treats or she's got treats, let me listen. She doesn't have treats, he doesn't have treats, I'm not going to listen. That is sloppy mechanics. That essentially means your dog should think you just exude treats all the time. You always have the opportunity to make rewards come out of thin air. Right? If, if you can just make them appear, then you can always get your dog to do something and you can always get them to listen because there is no opportunity in life where there isn't a reward. Think about having to listen when you go to an event. Somebody important gets on stage, everybody quiets down. Right? If there's nobody on stage, then everybody does what they want. Right? You're not, you're not quiet waiting for someone to go on stage. Someone goes on stage, they say, attention, everyone, hello, and then everyone quiets down. They start to pay attention. That's what happens with your dog. They see you and they go, oh, he's on stage. He's ready to perform. This might be with a training vest. This might be with a, a training pouch. But when you take all of those things off, your dog goes, oh, I don't have to listen. We're not training anymore. This is very common if you use collars or harnesses on your dog. They become collar or har- harness savvy, equipment savvy. They know that that means we're going to work now. We're going to go do something. Very, very common in police dog work. And they actually use this to their advantage. They want the dogs to listen exceptionally well during police work and relax when they're not doing police work. So that works. 
But if you're just having your dog go out normally, then you want them to listen all the time, no matter what. It should not be contingent upon wearing a harness or a collar or anything else. Now, the last reason, the last possible reason as to why the rewards aren't working is timing. Your timing is off. Something is getting in between what your dog did and what should have rewarded the behavior. That could go for literally anything, but I'll give you a couple examples here. Let's say I want to reward my dog for recalling to me. And on the way to recalling towards me, they like go off to the side. They divert to something else. And then they finally come back to me, and I reward that. In that case, I did not reward a perfect recall. I ended up rewarding a diversion and then coming back. Anything you reward will increase in the likelihood of it happening. That's the, you know, the definition of reinforcement. Increases the likelihood of it happening. Which means that behavior is now going to happen again. My dog's going to divert. And if they divert more and more and more, eventually they're going to divert so much off the central line of recalling to me that they're going to be five blocks away. And you're going to go, why is my dog not recalling? Well, you rewarded them just for the wrong thing. The timing was off there. Same thing goes for leaving the park, let's say. You have your dog running around, everything's great. And as they're running to you, instead of marking and rewarding them for running to you, they get all the way to you, and then they start to move away from you, and you use the clicker to get their attention again. I've seen this happen over and over again. Right? The dog gets to you, they realize we're leaving. Oh, no, I don't want to leave. So they go to book it, and you remember to click at that moment, and then you've clicked your dog for running away, and now they think, oh, I got rewarded. I was supposed to run away, especially if you did a good job of conditioning the clicker or the marker signal if you say yes. You've done a good job of conditioning that to the point where they don't need the secondary reward, rather the first reward. They, they don't need the primary reward, the treat. right? They just need the secondary reward, which is the clicker. That's a timing issue. You have a timing issue. Your dog thinks one thing because you've accidentally marked and rewarded the wrong thing. So record your sessions. Actually, like pull out your phone and record what you're doing with your dog and then review it later. Is my timing right? You can see frame by frame. Frame by frame. My dog is moving away from me as I click. Well, that's a problem. I'm late. My dog is moving towards me as I click. That's perfect. My dog is not doing anything as I click. Well, they're always doing something, but if they're stationary, let's say they're sitting and you wanted them to move towards you, right? They ran all the way to you. They're sitting in front of you and then you click. You're not rewarding the recall anymore. You're rewarding them stopping and sitting, which very often happens when we have dogs run towards us and they stop a few feet away. We reward them because we go, oh, well, I, I want them to encourage to keep coming to me, but that's the wrong timing. We have to encourage them while they're running towards us to continue running through all the way to us. Okay, so those are the three reasons. Those are the only three reasons positive reinforcement's not working. Number one, you do not have the preferred reinforcement. You do not have their, their absolute magnet, the thing that they are so drawn to they could ignore everything else in the world. Find out what that is and training will be 10 times easier. Two, you just have sloppy mechanics. Either you intentionally have sloppy mechanics where you don't know what the right mechanics are supposed to be. And that's totally fine. If you if you don't know what the mechanics are, then clearly you're not doing it out of malicious intent. 
But if you do know what the mechanics are and you're just lazy, which I've seen a lot in trainers, they just get lazy. They get, you know, oh, I could still get a result by doing it with less effort. That was not good. You got to do it 100% all the time in order to get 100% success, 100% reliability. And then the last one is timing. Is your timing off? Is your timing off? Are you actually rewarding the right thing? Now, here are the three solutions. I told you it was going to be good if you stayed for the podcast. Three solutions. Number one, get the behavior first, offered reliably, and then add the cue. If your dog's not listening, it might not be that they're distracted by the environment. It might not be that they're having an off day. It might not be that they just don't like you. Maybe they just don't fully understand the association between the word and the behavior. So if you spend time specifically focusing on the behavior itself, don't ask them to do it. Have them love doing it so much that then you can reward them for it. They're offering up the behavior on their own. This happens a lot when you do shaping with your dog and a lot of positive reinforcement. Your dog starts to offer these behaviors, and that's what we want. They're engaged. They're motivated to get you to release treats to them. Remember what I said earlier about convincing your dog you just exude treats all the time? That's how you do it. Get them to offer the behavior to you so that you can then reward them. If they're offering the behavior all of the time, they are convinced that you have rewards. Then you can start to add in the word, whatever that word may be. I tell my dog to sit, spin, recall, whatever it is. You can then get them to do it after you know 100% that they are wanting to do the behavior, not forced to do the behavior. They want to do it so bad, and you're just saying, hey, this is the word that means go for it, right? You're, You're essentially saying this word that I'm saying that's coming out of my mouth means if you do that behavior that you love to do already, I'm going to give you a reward. Now, the second solution is use what your dog already finds rewarding. I know I said use the preferred reinforcement, and you absolutely should. But if there's something in the environment that's really rewarding to your dog, it might be the preferred reinforcement in that environment. My dog Tommy was like this. He loves people. He still loves people. He will take you to the ground if you let him. He's a great Dane Border Collie. He has all this energy, but he's goofy as hell. So when he used to run up to people and literally take their knees out, We had to work on it. Now, the preferred reinforcement would be playing tug with a person. He loves playing tug. But when there's somebody new around, the preferred reinforcement that worked had to change. And in this case, right, use what your dog already finds rewarding. It's saying hi to that person. So I can use that to my advantage. All I had to do was get a little bit of control at first. And look, I go right back to it. Get the behavior first offered, then add the cue. So I wasn't going to tell my dog, sit, sit, stay, right, 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 right. I'm not commanding him to stay. We would just wait at a far enough distance where my dog was successful. He'd start to put his butt down because we had practiced sit a whole bunch. And then once his butt goes down, I send him to say hi to the individual. Boom, runs down, goes to say hi. Great. I've just rewarded him with what he already found rewarding without having to say anything. I didn't have to add a cue verbally because the person became the cue. We're getting a little technical here and a little advanced, but essentially don't spend time adding the word if your dog doesn't know the behavior first and then use what your dog already finds rewarding in the environment.
oh, my dog really loves chewing on the garbage. Okay, is there any way you could possibly control that to the point where you could actually send them to maybe put something in the garbage? That's an advanced training technique, but right, you could do that. If my dog loves the garbage, okay, first thing I'm going to do is get my dog to leave the garbage alone. Then I'm actually going to teach my dog to put something in the garbage intentionally for me. This is what I did with my son. Not a dog, but my son. He's a three years old, and he just he was interested in the garbage pail. So I taught him how to go over, unlock it, and throw out a piece of garbage. Now he cleans up my living room all the time. We have a garbage truck. Like He loves cleaning up garbage. Maybe he'll be a garbage man when he grows up. But he loves that kind of cleaning mentality and keeping everything orderly. And maybe that's a little bit of our family dynamic and trying to keep everything clean all the time. But, right, I didn't say, hey, clean up your room first. First thing I did was show him. I demonstrated to him. When I pick stuff up and I throw him out, he then wants to do it. And then I said, hey, thanks for cleaning up, buddy. That's awesome. I rewarded him. And then I used what he already found rewarding. He wants to clean up. He wants to be involved in the garbage pail. Okay, well, can we do those things together? Boom. Perfect. And then the third solution is to set your dog up for success constantly. Constantly set your dog up for success. A lot of people say reward-based training does not work. And they've had personal experience with it not working. Simply because they're putting their dog in a situation that their dog is not ready for. If your dog is not ready to be around a thousand people at a packed stadium because they've never been in that situation before, and you're trying to teach them something new, it is way too stressful. We have to remove them from that environment, set them up for success by eliminating distractions, using their preferred reinforcer, breaking down the behavior into manageable pieces that they can digest, and then rewarding them heavily so they can build their confidence in that behavior. You cannot do that in a stressful environment. You, personally, imagine trying to learn something new. Imagine your first day of work. You might be excited, you might be nervous, you might be anxious, you're trying to do everything right, you're trying to impress the boss, and you mess up. A classic movie, classic life. Right? You mess up your first day, you, you get the coffee wrong, or you spill something, or you drop the papers, or whatever's going on. Maybe you had an amazing first day. But odds are, at some point... You were in a nervous situation. I want you to think about it for a second. You were in a nervous or stressful situation and you did not think as perfectly as you usually do. Why would you intentionally put your dog in a situation where it's harder for them to learn and then punish them for not doing as well of a job? Set them up for success and reward them heavily so that you can build their confidence in what your expectation of them is. Now, I want to give you something to make this 10 times easier and to keep you organized so that you can teach your dog the behavior first, so that you know what cue you're going to add to the behavior, what your dog is finding rewarding so you can actually kind of pair it together, and then how to set your dog up for success and get long-term success in training. I'm going to give you my training template, my actual planner that I use on every single client and every single dog so that I stay organized and know what I've done what I need to do, and where I'm going in my training so I can stay accountable and organized. I'm going to put the link in the description, or you can just head over to matadorcanine.com slash planner, matadorcanine.com slash planner. I want to thank you guys for listening today. If you have questions, comments, or concerns about dog training, make sure you let me know either on social media or you can leave a review on this podcast. 
Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Acknowledge Dogs podcast. Subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and connect with me on your favorite social media platform.